Oh, it is now what season of the year? Autumn. It's autumn, or for Americans, fall. Um, it is now fall, and what you might notice is leaves are starting to change colors, and, and leaves are starting to fall, and here in just a few weeks, you're going to gain an hour of sleep. And everybody said, amen. <laughs> uh, my favorite night of the year uh, is the time change of fall. Um, but here we are in a new season. This is also the season where if you notice when you wake up in the morning and you're up early, uh, you can see steam coming off the buildings and off of objects. And, and it's a time of year where it's nice to have a little coffee in, and it's warm. Uh, just don't drink it after like noon or two or you won't sleep. Um, but, you know, it's just a beautiful time to, to just cozy up on the couch, right? And a beautiful time of the year whenever it starts to get darker earlier and earlier and earlier. And, and before you know it, you leave your house in the morning to go to work and it's dark and you leave to come home from work and it's already dark. Uh, but a beautiful time of the year where we all spend a little bit more time maybe in our home. So here's what I want to do. I want to title this this little random sermon series through this letter that Paul wrote to a young evangelist and church leader named Titus. I want to title it Home Sweet Home. Home Sweet Home. Because uh, Michaela and I have been here at Pleasant Hill for the last six years, almost, almost six years now, and we have truly found this place to be our little home sweet home. And for many of you that come here on a regular basis, you may be members here or you call Pleasant Hill your church home, this is kind of like a home sweet home. And what I want to do is I want us to kind of look at, I want us to look at this letter and this letter that Paul wrote to a young evangelist, young church leader named Titus. And in this letter, we see some instructions, we see some order, but we're also going to see what is necessary for three very important things for the church. We're going to look at the church establishment. We're going to look at the church sustainability, and we're going to look at the church growth, how it is that a church should be established, sustained, and grown. And what you're going to find, I believe, if you look hard, because some of you may be new here, and you may not know all of our church leaders. You may not know who's on the board or who isn't. You may not know. You may just see people up here and assume they're the leaders of everything and they make all the decisions, but what you find is that you, you may not know all these things yet. Or maybe you've been here for a little while, but you haven't really done, you know, you haven't really been involved in too much, so you don't really know some of the business aspect. And my prayer is that as the more you stay, the more you will become aware of that, the more you'll know. But also, you'll know who our church leaders are, and you'll know why it's so important to have sound church leadership. And I want you all to know that Mikhail and I have been blessed by and by the leadership of this place because y'all took a risk on a young punk kid that didn't know nothing. And if it wasn't for the leadership of this place being established, we would not see what we've been able to do. It is nothing about me. It's nothing about my wife. We are growing spiritually, maybe growing numerically, not because of me, not because of my beautiful wife, or definitely not any of my kids, um, but we are growing because of the church leadership that has been established for years now, and we're there to, to bring us in and take us and, and, and walk alongside of us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Titus chapter 1 today. And each week, over the next few weeks, we're going to discuss each chapter. It's only three chapters, so there you are, three weeks, and then on to something new. 
But Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true child in that common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. That's his way of saying hello. <laughs> That's the Apostle Paul saying, hello, Titus, how are you? That's his introduction. That's his greeting to a young uh, church leader named Titus. He goes on to write, this is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined." He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. Now, I want you to pay, pay attention to this in the next couple of sentences here. So that he may be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true, Paul says. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. So that's what I want to read today. And I want us to see how it is that Paul instructs this young minister, this young evangelist, and this younger church leader on how the church should be established. And in this establishment, you're going to see there is benefits for the entire congregation. So the entire congregation of Pleasant Hill is to be benefited by the operation of our leaders. That is how we succeed. That is how we grow you spiritually, is that our leadership are solid, and they meet the qualifications of this. So whenever you read qualifications for elder or overseer, you might Read, they use the term pastor, they use the term minister, they may even use the term shepherd, but it's essentially all in one. So here at Pleasant Hill, we have elders, deacons, trustees, board members. We have different titles for various people, depending on where they're at. Uh, some people may be deacons, some people may not. But, and, and we can discuss that at a later date, but what, what we do know is that we have a group of men that oversee all of the, the decisions, all of the money, all of the business side of the church. 
And just ask Glenn Portel how enjoyable that is year-round all the time. Uh, sometimes it's not as enjoyable as others. Sometimes they're good. But let me just kind of talk for a little bit. And, and I want to use just a few minutes to kind of encourage all of you to pray for our leaders. To pray for, because it is very evident. Paul is instructing this young minister on how to put back into order what remained in Crete. We're talking about an area of the world that was as immoral as could be. This is a place of the world that was known for being immoral and very proud of it. They were boasting in their immorality. And I mean, you could picture some of the most immoral parts of our world, and you could look at them and then put them on steroids, and that's Crete. So this young evangelist, this young church leader is trying to appoint biblically or, you know, just scripturally sound people, people that love the Lord, faithful to the Lord. He's trying to put them into order to govern all of these heathens. Sound familiar? Um, <laughs> he's trying to put all of these men into leadership to govern the, all of these heathens from all of these different backgrounds and all of these different passions. And he's wanting them to grow in their faith and to preach the gospel message and to be faithful to the truth and not to be teaching for shameful gain. Because here's what we do know. People who are ignorant are very easily influenced. Because I could, we, if we were very ignorant, if we were very uneducated, or if we had poor leadership in this place, we could preach about a lot of different false doctrines and false teachings, and you would take it as gospel. So Paul is instructing him. The first few words out of his mouth after saying hello for four entire verses is, this is why I left you in Crete. So he is not set to be the pastor here for a very long time. He is actually more or less a, a church planner aide. And he's putting things in order so that Paul, you know, Paul's gone. Paul is in prison at this point. A lot of people attest that he's writing this just months before he is crucified. Months before, not crucified, months before he is, he is killed. So here we are, and he's writing this young man. He says, this is why I left you in Crete. So you could put what remained. What was the significance of putting what remained into order? So that the gospel of Jesus would be preached, would be clearly understood, and so that the church would grow on the earth. So the way that the church succeeds is for the leadership to be established, the leadership to be sound, the teaching to be biblical, the doctrine to be solid, and that the, the church members, families, couples, singles would grow that you would grow, that you would grow in your faith, that you would grow in your knowledge of the scripture, and that you would grow in your boldness and your courage to go from here and to share the good news of Christ with the world. So if I could, I just want to encourage you to pray for the leadership that we have here, because uh, let's just kind of go back down memory lane. Does anybody remember what the church looked like six years ago? A few of you do. Um, Lynn might be able to answer, or, or Don might be able to answer, how many meetings were had about how it was going to look and how it was going to go, and how many people were, were upset about these pews or these chairs and these pews and those chairs and that floor color. So, so here's what I want you to know. The leadership that we have here has, has endured a lot over the last six years that I have witnessed. And one thing that I commend them for is that there are times that our church leaders have to make decisions that not every single person is going to be in agreement with. And they have to make decisions that sometimes 
I don't even agree with. But the, the beautiful thing about the church leadership that has been established here, which has allowed the church to grow spiritually and numerically, is because they have never once exalted me into a platform that I was not, not worthy of. And because they were unwilling to exalt me up as this or that, what also happens is because it's not all about me when it's good, it's not all on me when it goes bad. There have been numerous occasions where these men have stood in the face of any kind of disagreement or any kind of disruption or any kind of confusion or any kind of or, uh, need or, or any problem and issue, and they have taken it upon themselves to say, hey, it's not on him when it's good, and it's not all on him when it's bad. And, and it's, the reason it's so beautiful and the reason that I've been blessed is because I have, I have been allowed a lot of freedom and flexibility in what they have allowed me to do or, or my family to do, and I'm forever grateful for that. But it also benefits you because you have church leaders that meet to discuss, to pray about, and to decide on things that are going to benefit you and that are going to grow you. So whenever you come into this place, here's the thing. We can get so caught up in just coming here. We got to park and we got to fight the traffic and we got to get, you know, our seat. And then we want to make sure we park on the front row if possible. That way we can get out of here faster and, and all of this chaos. And then now we've got two parking lots so we can just park over there. If you don't have a Jeep, I don't think you can park over there yet. Um, all, all that's our Jeep parking lot. <laughs> that's just for the Jeeps. Um, but, you know, one thing you can do is you can just find yourself coming in here. But I want you to know that every little detail that makes this time such a beautiful family, home sweet home time has been prayed about, discussed, maybe even debated, disagreed at, at times by the leaders of this home. That they have been in the trenches for you. They have fought in the trenches on their knees, around tables for hours at a time for you. Why? Because here we see Paul is encouraging Titus. He's saying, listen, there are people who are insubordinate, they're empty talkers, they're deceivers, and they're especially coming from the circumcised party. This is strange for Paul to say this because Paul came from the circumcised party. Paul was from the Jewish descent, and he's saying they must be silenced. Why? They are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain. They are teaching for shameful gain. So what is good gain? What is teaching for good gain? Teaching for good gain is so that you will leave here and know more about who Jesus is. What is teaching for good gain? Teaching for good gain is, good gain is so that your worldview would be shaped biblically. And the beautiful thing is that we have a group of leaders that are not going to ever compromise our character to, to try and coddle the culture in which we live in. The beautiful thing is that we have all always been willing to stand firm and immovable on the Word of God, and we have a group of leaders that I can tell you wholeheartedly and, and, and truly, truly know to be true that they would never compromise who they are, the convictions that they have, or ever try to compromise God's Word to satisfy the culture in which we find ourselves in. Why? Because in order to do that, we would just be empty talkers, deceivers, and teaching for shameful gain. 
And we're never going to find ourselves in a place to where any kind of, you know, new age or woke ideology, or ideology is ever infiltrating into our children or into our Sunday school classes or any time behind the pulpit. We have a leader group, a group of men who are willing to stand firm, immovable on the word of God and never waver. And that must be found in order for the church to be established so that the families of the church, so the couples of the church, so that the single people of the church can benefit. That's all I got to say about that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I just want you for a minute, I want us to find ourselves over the next few weeks in this home sweet home setting. Because whenever you come in here, you start to get to know each other. And maybe people are, people are new to you. Maybe people are strangers to you. Maybe you've grown in friendship or in relationships with people who call this home to them as well. And what I hope for in the next few weeks is that we would truly, truly find ourselves coming in here hungry to worship, excited to be with one another, and not complete strangers so that we can grow. But what must be established is solid leadership, sound doctrine, and we must find people who are truly living according to God's word. So here is what we have to see in our leadership. What Paul goes on to write is he says, listen, they must be above reproach. So this goes for our leaders, but it also goes for all of us Christians, because you and I should find ourselves living to a standard. And we should always find ourselves setting that standard a little bit higher, a little bit higher, and a little bit higher, so that the more and more that we grow in our faith and the more and more that we read and study and apply God's Word, you and I are going to find ourselves saying no to these things here when we used to say yes, and we're going to find ourselves always setting the standard a little bit higher and trying to attain perfection a little bit more and a little bit more. So our leadership must be above reproach. They must not have all of these wild things going on in their life that people can use against them and convict them of in, in, you know, in sinfulness or in worldly habits. They must be the husband of one wife, and his children are believers, not open to charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined. So these are the characteristics that we have to find in leadership. And one of the things that we see here is that these are people that stand out amongst maybe the general population. So if you want to be a church leader one of these days, here are the qualifications according to the word. And we have to follow God's word. We have to read the writings of Paul and the words throughout these scriptures to establish who we are and how we operate. And he goes on to say that he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. So he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So what we have to see in order for this to be a home sweet home, in order for this to to truly operate, because here is the one thing that I do know for sure, there's never going to be a perfect church. Never. Amen. There is never going to be a perfect pastor. Amen. Amen. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and there's never going to be a perfect group of leaders. There's never going to be a perfect church member. Therefore, you are not perfect. I don't care what you think about yourself. I don't care how sweet they are, how cute they are. They are not perfect. So whenever you come into here, we have to understand that we are all made up of imperfect people. A beautiful illustration that I heard one time is that you could consider your home, you can consider your church to be like a bird's nest. And I've used this in numerous counseling sessions. And a bird's nest is made up of a bunch of little broken twigs all bound together and held together. But whenever you tear a bird's nest apart, what you find is just a bunch of you know, grass or straw or broken twigs that a bird puts together to call what? Home. So whenever you walk into here, you're going to be sitting next to people who are also broken in their own way, people who struggle maybe in their own way. So whenever we, for, in order for this to be home sweet home, we have to have leadership that is established, that is willing to teach good sound doctrine, to rebuke sound doctrine, but to also help navigate and hold together all of all of these imperfect people, all of these imperfect families, because what we do all share in common is that we are all broken in one way or another. So in order for our church leadership to truly operate in the way that God's commanded us to do is we cannot have leadership or pastors ever exalt themselves above or view themselves to be higher than anyone else. So whenever our leaders sit down before a meeting, guess what we have to do? We have to pray that God would be glorified. Whenever we come together and we worship as a church family, what do we do? We have to pray and we have to worship so that God would be glorified. Whenever I come to preach, I hope to never preach in a way that I boast myself to be higher than you or to be greater than you because one, I would be doing it for shameful gain. Two, I would be doing it unbiblically. So every time that I stand behind this pulpit or any time that I do any kind of leadership whether I'm teaching a class, whoever is doing it must pray that whatever they do would be glorifying to the Lord. Why? Because every single person here, including me, is broken. You're broken. And we all are bound together by one name, Jesus. You and I, you walk into here and, and the church has been established by solid leadership, sound doctrine, that's all great, but we are all bound together, not in our brokenness. We're not all bound together because we all pursue perfection in our own, and we're not bound together because I'm this good and you're that good, therefore we can be, we can be friends or we can be, uh, you know, we can be in life group because we're this good together. We are all pieced together, little piece by little piece, one person and another, all pieced together, bound together by the same message and the same name, and that name is Jesus. Therefore, we must have leadership that is established in the preaching of the gospel. That is why we must ensure that the name of Jesus is preached from this pulpit all the way down to the nursery age Sunday school classes and children's church classes so that we can be a church that isn't teaching for shameful game, that we're not empty talkers and we're not deceivers, but we are all teaching so that you can grow in your faith. Whatever Paul said after that, he goes on to say, that they must be silent since they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful game, teaching what they ought not to teach. And he goes on to say, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said that they are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. Why? So that they may be sound in the faith. 
So whenever you come here and this is your home sweet home church, this isn't for us to entertain you so that you can keep coming back. Because if you're coming to be entertained, then I'm sorry, but we're going to fail you. If you're coming so you can get the goosebump, I'm sorry, but we're going to fail you. If you're coming because this is a cool name or, or they've got my friends going out there, then, then you may be coming for the wrong reasons. You ought to come and we as church leadership ought to prepare so that you can leave here and be sound in your faith. That's why a solid church leadership must be established because we do not come. I don't prepare to tickle your ears or to, you know, or to high five you or tell you to good job and keep doing what you're doing. There are going to be times where I'm going to say something that is cons- that, that might actually offend you. And it's not because I'm attacking you. It's because you and your lifestyle may be con- contradicting God's word. Therefore, it causes a little bit of tension and strife. And it's never me attacking any of you because I would never intentionally attack you, but I am never going to compromise what God's word says. Therefore, I will preach it boldly, clearly, and accurately. Maybe what? Sound in your faith. That's why you come here. That ought to be why you come here, so that you can come to Pleasant Hill. This can be your home sweet home. Why? Because we have all these sweet people. Everything's great. We got the best golfers in the county. Uh, We're the fittest church, according to the, the competition last week. We got all this stuff going on. No, no, no. That's not it. You come so that you may grow in your faith. Our church leadership must also be established so that our Church leaders are constantly emphasizing the growth in your faith. So how do we grow in our faith? One, we have to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ boldly, clearly, and accurately. We can never add to the scripture or take away. We can never compromise who we are to cater to the culture. We can never give in to the ways of the world or allow the worldly tactics or teachings or ideologies to come in and infiltrate how we teach or what we say. That we must stand firm on and be immovable on the word of God, on the promises of God, so that you can leave here week after week after week, growing in your faith. And I'm going to read you verse 1 of chapter 2, and then I want to end with that. Chapter 2, verse 1, Paul goes on to write, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. This is what Titus was instructed to do, to teach what accords with sound doctrine. So I made a couple of notes here. My responsibility, or Jeff's responsibility, or... Adam's responsibility or Scott's responsibility or whomever stands here, their responsibility is to what? Tickle the ears of the people. No. <laughs> to just encourage them and tell them to, to live their best life now and just, you know, pray and God will give. No. To teach what accords with sound doctrine. We must 
constantly. So here's, here's what we must do. We must teach sound doctrine, and doctrines and our church beliefs are those that are based not on emotion or experiences or people's opinions or our upbringing or even speculation, but our church doctrine and all of our beliefs must be biblically based, biblically interpreted, and biblically instructed. Therefore, anything that we say or do that is not biblically interpreted, biblically based, and biblically instructed, it would be wrong. And we'd be teaching for shameful gain. So I end with this. My goal for you when you come here is that you would grow in your faith. And that you would truly leave here week after week, maybe not saying, oh, man, that was so much fun, or, oh, that felt so good. My goal is that you would leave here literally growing in the Word of God, that you would leave here growing in your understanding of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and that you would leave here growing in your faith, in your boldness, and in your courage to go and to preach the gospel to the world. Home sweet home. So here's something I want to do as we end. Probably never done this before, and I don't know I'll ever do it again. But we've always been a trial and error church. (laughs) And we've tried, and we've made a lot of errors. I've made a lot of errors. And I've done a lot of silly things. A lot of young, dumb mistakes that I made. Here's what I want us to do as we end church today. I want us to truly grasp the home sweet home feeling. I don't know, Brian, what song do you have to do? Home sweet home. Home sweet home. So we're going to sing home sweet home together. You never heard it? (laughs) What do you have? I can only imagine. So I'm going to ask that our worship team would come up. And I'm going to ask of you that as we sing this last song, as we get ready to leave this place, that you would find someone and just go greet them to make yourself new to them or introduce yourself to them. Maybe wrap your arms around them. And may we have a little home sweet home setting here to where we all sing maybe the most popular song in all of Christianity, I can only imagine. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to truly grasp this because here's why I say that. Here's why I want us to do it. Because if you're coming back next week, you're coming back with the people who are going to be coming back, and you need to get to know them. Yeah, that's great. But you also need to know that you are not coming here because of any other reason but Jesus Christ our King. And that new person to you, they are only coming here because of Jesus Christ, our King. And I'm only here to stand here to preach to you because of Jesus Christ, my King, and what he has done for me. So here's what I want us to do. For just a few minutes as we sing this last song, if you would just find someone, just wrap your arms around them, greet them, say hello to them, maybe introduce yourself to them, but just find yourself singing along to this last song, maybe with somebody completely new to you so that we could truly be a a family unit and find ourselves in a home sweet home setting. So would you stand and would you pray with me? And then I'm going to dismiss you to move and to just wrap your arms around somebody and tell them that you're, you're glad they're here. Just tell somebody that you're thankful that they're here. Just tell somebody that 
you are glad that the Lord has called them here. And just remind one another that you and I are in this together, that this should be a family unit, and we should call this place home. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time, and I just pray that as we look at this little simple letter that Paul wrote to a young evangelist and a young church leader, instructing them how a church should look and how a church should operate, I just pray, Lord, that we would be a church that is growing in our faith, growing in understanding your word, understanding your message, understanding the good news of our Savior, and Lord, doing it together, doing it as a family unit to know that it is through the establishment, the sustainability, and the growth that we all come in and share in common. So Lord, as we sing this last song, as we wrap our arms around one another, as we just smile with somebody new, may we just find ourselves in just a couple of minutes feeling like we're at home, sweet home.